this is Joe. And TJ. With another episode of our One Thing series. Our desire is that our One Thing series truly helps you to lead better and grow faster. Every month on our podcast, we feature a great guest always on the topic of leadership, and we blast it out to you from the schoolhouse302.com. Thank you, TJ. Please share this with other leaders you know that are looking and craving to get better. Thank you. Hello, everyone, and here we are with our guest, Frederick White. Thank you for being here, Frederick. Welcome to our show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. This episode, we are focused on the journey of leadership, the labyrinth, if you will, and the mental shifts leaders must make to successfully navigate that journey. With this in mind, your work, Frederick, fits perfectly. TJ, why don't you tell our audience a bit more? Sure thing, Joe. A Dr. Frederick White is a principal. He's a poet. He's the author of The Labyrinth of Leadership, Navigating Your Way Through the Maze, the Leadership Maze, that is. He's also the author of The Skin You Are In, Colorism in the Black Community, and he is the COO of Digital PD for you. We'll get you a link to all of that in the show notes, and we want to dive right in, Frederick. Um, this conversation about leadership, particularly the leadership journey, we would consider the joy, the setbacks, the challenges, and the successes. Um, let's set the stage, though, for the audience. You wrote The Labyrinth of Leadership, um, and it's dubbed as a book for leaders by leaders. We want to know from you, the author, why is that so important? And what are the critical takeaways that you want folks to get when you read when they read your book, uh, in particular, school leaders? All right. So the whole idea or the thought behind uh, the labyrinth of leadership um, and having us to pick the minds of different leaders in different parts of the country is that, you know, we we realize that we are all in the same predicament. We're in a situation where. Uh, we've just come through a pandemic. Uh, we're in a situation where we have to energize staff. We have to energize our scholars. Um, so in picking you know, or you know, soliciting certain authors to be a part of this, to make sure that we were able to pick the minds of the people that were actually doing the work, you know, people that were actually in it, had some skin in the game. Uh, the individuals that are a part of this book are individuals throughout the country um, that I listen to. Uh, I seek advice from, you know, I, I look at their podcasts. I may, um, you know, go um, look at some of the things that they write or look at what they're doing within their districts. And these are the individuals that sort of guide my thought process when I come up with a problem. Uh, I love the uh, when we talk about, you know, navigating our way through this labyrinth of leadership, it's that we all come up against something at some point that someone else has dealt with. Um, so uh, when we get to the point that we can reach out and we can sort of lean on the thought process of other great leaders, and we can sort of come up and establish what we need to do uh, to fix that problem by gearing that evidence from those great leaders, that's what I mean by navigating your way. You can't do this thing by yourself. All right. So the guys that we picked to be in the book or that we talked about or talked to to be in the book 
all have had situations where I have sort of picked their brain or picked their knowledge to get into it. So that's that's pretty much how we got into the elaborate leadership piece and sort of established this. And as you see, I'm dealing with the leadership right now because I have my uh, assistant principal and parents coming in and peeping in the door to see what I'm doing right now. So uh, it's uh, it's always something unique to have um, you know, great leaders to be in your corner. Uh, the Labyrinth of Leadership just puts that at your fingertips. And that's why I'm glad that we wrote the book. I want the takeaway from that just to be that you're not in it by yourself. Uh, there are other people that have come up with ideas to fix the problems that you have. Lean on them. Lean on those greats that are already out there. So that's what I get from it. Frederick, that's important. I love the fact that you did reach out well beyond normal boundaries, get in touch with people across the U.S., Get let's get some diversity and thinking on this topic. And did you have a major takeaway, even yourself? You know, I think it's interesting. Sometimes we approach a project, we approach leadership in a certain way, and then this work strikes us somehow. Was there something that really struck you, maybe even a little different when you started talking to these leaders, picking their brains, maybe that you didn't even expect? Yeah, it, the thing that even some of the giants in our field, um, even some of the people that I would you know, consider my mentors, have problems. Um, they have issues. They have concerns. They have these things that they are still trying to work themselves through. Uh, so there is no perfect school. There is no perfect leader. Uh, the leaders out there are still looking and growing each day. So even though I'm looking up at like Principal Cafele as as one of these you know giants that I can pull, he will even admit that he is still growing. He is still changing. So knowing that even the uh, greatest leaders among us are still working on their craft leads me to know that I still have room to grow, um, leads me to uh, a path that I know that I can still improve uh, the climate of my building, improve the educational experience for my scholars, uh, improve the work environment for my teachers. That's, you know, that was a biggie for me, realizing that, you know, it's, it's, I'm not the, I'm not at the bottom of the, of the, uh, Pole trying looking up, these other guys are still out there struggling too. So that was a good thing. And you hate to say that's a good thing that people are struggling, but it's good to know that you're not the only one out there struggling. All right. Um, but getting their ideas and learning from them, you know, that was just a big just knowing that you do have those resources out there. I love that you bring that up for the audience too. That number one, even the greats still struggle, but that there's universal among us is that struggle that need to grow the the um obstacles that we come up against like you said you know that's not unique i wonder if there are any other universal truths things that as you've curated and listened to leaders and have written the book are there two three i mean things that continually come up um other that aren't unique but that we all need to know about, like the struggle is one, but are there some others that you think these are universal truths among leaders out there? Yeah, 
I think the ability to self-reflect is definitely on the top of that list. Uh, Having that, not only the desire to self-reflect, but finding the time to self-reflect. We as leaders, we get so bogged down by things that are going on. We're putting out fires or celebrating uh, our team or doing this or that, but we do need to make sure that we always find time to self-reflect. The other piece is looking at the end product. For me in the position of, of principalship, looking at my scholars as my end product. You know, what do I want to have created at the end of the day? How do I want my scholars to look at the end of the day? What do I want to have placed in them? Uh, you know, the goals that I want them to seek, how have I made them to see those goals a little bit clearer? So looking at the end product, I think, is regardless of what field you're in, you have to do that. Uh, so uh, that and, and I think the, the last part is just um, being willing to grow. Uh, I think that's it. Uh, you know, you just so many people are stagnant. You get to a certain position. Hey, I'm here. This is all I need. This is all I want. I, I don't need to seek out professional development. I don't need to listen to other leaders. I don't need to borrow from anyone. I am good where I am. So the willingness to never sit still and always want to grow. So I would think that those three things, the self-reflection, looking at the end product and the willingness to grow are the takeaways that I get from most leaders when we sit down and have real conversations. Uh, Those unfiltered conversations, that's what we come out with. Frederick, I think all three of those are very powerful, especially the end product. I don't know if we do that enough. Like, what does this look like done? I'm a big fan of uh, those districts that have pushed like portrait of a graduate and things of that nature. I'm really, really proud of that work. But getting into that end product, you know, takes a lot of work and a lot of investment in people. And you had a tweet that struck us and it said, the labyrinth of leadership How often do you celebrate small wins, seemingly minimal accomplishments with your staff? Then you continue success from small things encourages us to seek, set, and persevere towards those bigger and better goals. Can you dig into that a little bit for us and why that's so powerful? And I ask that also because we're at a time where there's a lot of teachers looking out the door and maybe even have one step out the door. So I think solid praise is critical, but I think this is such a powerful tweet. Can you just dig into that a little little more for us? I think you have to be able to celebrate those small things uh, and celebrate, period. Uh, One of the things that, you know, we've done here at my school is that we have a culture and climate committee. Um, And the job of that committee is to make sure that you don't lose sight in those things that do happen, those things that we accomplish. We do get out as a team and we celebrate those things, be it, you know, you know, teacher card doing good or a teacher of the month or just teacher outings and celebrations. All of those things are those pieces that encourage your teachers to realize that we are family here. Um, 
and the goals that we normally set, and we talk about this in the book, uh, are our goals of a of an image we set. You know, we we talk about dream chasing, and in the text we talk about being a dream chaser and looking down the road. For when we're talking about kids, we we often say ten years down the road. I want you to imagine yourself ten years down the road. What does that person look like? That person that you want to be. You know, if that person is successful in this field, that person is doing this, accomplishing this and this and this. Now I want you to look at yourself today. What do you need to put in place in order to catch and beat that person? That's dream chasing. So, you know, when I talk to my boys that say, hey, I want to be a a basketball player. Uh, I want to be a pro basketball player. Cool. I mean, I'm not going to discourage you from that. Yeah, I don't I don't do what some people do and give them the numbers and the statistics. And this is how many people are actually going to make it. I said, so let's look at you right now. What are you doing every single day to be that professional ball player uh, here? Are you doing the things you need to do in school to be in the right high school and the right college to be observed by these pro scouts? Are you having the right grades so you are an attractive target for them? When you leave here and you go home, how often are you out there running laps or physically conditioning yourself or shooting uh, free throws or shooting three-pointers? How often are you doing that? Well, I don't really get it. I said, now you want to be this person right here. In order to be this person 10 years down the road, what work are you putting in now? And as you successfully accomplish things, let's celebrate those. And I talk to the parents too. Celebrate those things when that child gets there. So that child wants to get into a certain high school. He knows that he has to have certain grades. Let's celebrate when that child's grades go up. Same thing with our teachers. Hey, we have a certain benchmark for our kids at the end of the year as we do these things in the year and we see that we're increasing. Let's celebrate. We have to do these things so people know that they are being watched and everything that they do is being appreciated. If you don't appreciate the small things that I do, then I know you're not going to appreciate the large things. You're just going to look over those. They're just going to fall by the wayside sooner or later. But I know if you're look, if you're celebrating me for the small things I do, if I can accomplish the large things, I know that you are going to show me love, right? So that's that's what we are talking about in that tweet, and that's what we're talking about when we talk about dream chasing in the text. That's a great answer. And I really like the fact that you went granular with us on that one. Not just that there's a concept that's difference between goal setting and dream chasing. That in and of itself is worth the listen to the whole podcast episode. But the fact that you have those questions with kids um, and also teachers about doing the small things, because it's so true, we might have this big goal, this dream that we have, but day to day, we're not doing the things that are going to help us to accomplish that. And so that's the self-reflective piece that comes back in a, in a previous answer. Leaders need to be self-reflective. Are the things I'm doing minute by minute and day by day going to get me to my, my goal or going to get me to my dream? Or am I just talking about a dream and then not following through? I want to constantly challenge yourself. And you see, because once you meet those goals, once you meet those or catch that person, once you catch them, that's not it. Now you have to envision an even greater person. So once again, you're never settling on reaching that person. You want to beat that person. All right. So that's the dream chasing piece for me. That's great.
I want to switch go uh, directions just a tiny tweak here. I have this Joe and I've had this notion of mind shifts, mental shifts, changing your mind if you will. And it's something that we're writing about, something that we've talked about a lot recently and are going to continue to talk about because it's what Ryan Hawk told us in one of our podcast interviews is that it's a superpower to be able to change your mind. Um, I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about the labyrinth of leadership connected with that. Like you're in a maze and you got to find you find yourself stuck. Um, any advice there or things you think leaders should think differently about or not at all anymore? Well, I, one of the things that we have to stop thinking about as leaders is that success means winning all the time. You know, as we're, you know, navigating our way through that maze, you know, we're always looking, hey, I found the exit. That's great. You know, the quickest time, you know, that's great. No, because sometimes when we run into those walls, uh, when we run into those um, things that confound us, those are the times that we grow the most. Uh, when we don't succeed, those failures are sometimes the best things that can ever happen to us because they make us grow. If we don't have any resistance, if we don't have any resistance as we navigate this path, then there's very uh, rarely a chance for us to 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 grow in this work. Uh, you know, we all have heard the uh, old story about the the butterfly, the person uh, that's in the cocoon. And, you know, they help it out of the cocoon and it's deformed. But the one that struggles out of that cocoon, its wings flourish because they've been able to stretch and, and push blood to those veins and all of that. And they come out and they're beautiful. But the one that, was, that, 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 that did not have that resistance did not form one. We need in our labyrinth some resistance. So we, we don't need to view success always as the only avenue. Uh, as I go, as I've gone through the maze of leadership, I've had times where I've been at schools and I've been a leader and people have come in, hey, you're doing a great job. And I said, okay. And I kept moving the same way. But when people come in and they give me that pushback and they force me to change or to try to be a better leader, that's when I've grown the most. So I, I will just say that don't always look for the quick path. Uh, I think when we first came on, you talked about it, you said it, uh, you know, enjoy the journey through the labyrinth of leadership. Enjoy it and know that it's a path to be, you know, to cherish, uh, a path to be, you know, every every foot or every mile that you walk through the labyrinth of leadership, you need to enjoy and learn from. Frederick, a big part of this show is digging into things that really matter to you and make you better. Our audience gains a lot from that. And I want to stay on this whole thought of growth because I think it's critical. Um, who is one person or group who you either follow for knowledge or inspiration and where could we find them? I mean, the book is filled with them. You mentioned Cafele. We're also big fans of Cafele um, and his work. Who Who is someone else? Uh, Todd Whitaker is another, of course. Uh Anything that they do, I'm in. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just try to dive into it as much as possible. Uh, I work with a group uh, locked in the middle. I locked the middle. Uh, you know, we deal with leaders uh, 
you know, across the country, just, you know, just trying to get some, um, some time in with them. And, and with me, just within my own district, listening to other principals, other assistant principals, uh, other leaders that just, you know, that I associate with in my area here um, in Tennessee, we just, we, I think I'm, I'm consistently on Twitter looking at quotes. Uh, when we get to, um, uh, there's uh, the principal project. I love the principal project because I dig in that and I steal ideas all the time. There's just no limit to where you can get good advice or get good ideas. Um, I don't limit myself to just one or two. Uh, so I probably follow anybody and everybody because somebody's going to have something that I need at some point in uh, in my career. So, uh, but those are the biggest. Todd, uh, uh, Principal Cafele, uh, the Principal Project, uh, Unlock the Middle. Uh, those are my normally my go-tos just to you know, sort of work my thought process through to see if they've already done it. Uh, so, and of course, uh, like there are a few other podcasts I listen to with you. So if you look, uh, you know, of course I listen to you guys. Uh, and then I have uh, um, uh, one of my friends uh, and her name is leaving me now and she'll probably kill me later. She's Tasha. I just call her Tasha, but I listen to her podcast and she does a great job. So I think everyone needs to just find several individuals that they can just, I don't even listen to music anymore when I go home. I just put on a podcast because I need some more information. I need some help. So when I get back, um, I have more ideas the next day. Yeah. So that's me. That's great advice. And you do such a great job of curating that too, for your audience. I follow all your tweets, the labyrinth of leadership tweets, where you're putting something back out there that obviously was inspiration to you. And so I'm sure this um, answer will be inspiration to many. And we will certainly uh, link to all of those resources, including Principal Cafele and Todd Whitaker. We're big fans of theirs as well. What is one thing that people should try to do on a regular basis that might make a difference in their day or life? Um, simply pause and go for a walk. Uh, that has been a biggie for me. Uh, I think my stress level at times, uh, as I try to capture my day, sometimes uh, it goes up. So I go out and I just try to go for a walk. Uh, in that walk, I, you know, I sometimes walk through my old neighborhood. I walk the neighborhood where my school is. I walk through my kids. Uh, my scholars that we have at my school, I walk through their neighborhoods and sometimes just observing, you know, really when you get the opportunity to observe your kids and they don't know you're watching them, just 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 to watch them. Um, that does a couple of things for me. Um, it allows me the peace to self-reflect. Uh, it reminds me of why I do the work that I do and why that work is important. Um, just knowing that if I do a good job, it means a better life for the kids that I have in my building. If I do a better job, then that's a better experience for the teachers that work under me. So just always take a pause, go out, go for a walk, self-reflect, think about the work that you do and how that's affecting your community. I think everybody needs to do that. And it really doesn't matter what you what field you're in. you just sometimes need to stop 
take a walk, breathe, self-reflect. And Frederick, this may seem like common sense based on your answer, but with that, are you are you um, alone in your thoughts? As I as I reflect, as I'm in my thoughts, I sometimes hear my uh, my brilliant wife talking to me. <laughs> uh, so I'm not always uh, alone in there because if sometimes I don't really see where, and I think all leaders, hopefully all leaders are like this, that I don't pat myself on the back. You know, I think that the work that we do is important and I don't think we have the time to, you know, do the data boys and all of that to ourselves. Um, so I hear my wife in my head telling me, hey, couldn't you have done something better? Uh, couldn't you have done something? Because we do this, you know, at home because my wife is also a principal. So we have these conversations about how we can make our environment better, on how we can do more for our kids, on how we can do more for our teachers. Uh, so it never just settling. So I'm very rarely um, I do get some moments where it's just me running through the day, running through how I can change this or how I can do this. But very often my wife is in there, even when she's not near me, just in there talking. So that's my thought. That's my biggest thought partner. Uh, yeah, her. It's important to have that. And it's wonderful that it's your wife. I think that makes for a strong relationship. Frederick, what's one thing that you want to know or be able to do that you don't already? Um, I guess for me, it would just definitely be how to create the perfect environment. And I don't think it exists, but I always want to strive for it, right? Uh, I always want to be able to walk out into my hallways and see kids that are happy, uh, to see teachers that are happy with their job, to walk out in, in the afternoons as my kids are leaving and talk to parents that are happy with the way that the school is moving. Uh, so, I always strive to make that environment perfect, even though I know that it can't be. Um, I, I just want that. I, I want to know everything that I can possibly do to to increase the positivity within my community, within my building, within my environment. So just and once again, that's when I come back to my thought partners. That's when I listen to you guys and I, I go on Todd's uh, and see what he's uh, tweeting about and and uh, Principal Cafele and go to and this is when I go to you guys and and sort of pull what you're talking about to see how I can make that environment better. Yeah, I mean that's also a nice reminder about striving to make progress, but understanding that perfection is not possible. So yeah. you're always reaching for it, but it's not quite within your grasp. I, I like that a lot, and it, it you keep coming back to. And when I come up with a, against a struggle, I reach out. I, you know, I go on Twitter. I get my 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 professional learning community, if you will, uh, to surround me, and I dig into that. And so I, it makes me think about this question about your growth. I mean, you know, you surround yourself with such great people, but what else could you tell our audience that um, that leads to and supports your continued growth? Uh, for me, it's it's having first a wife that's a principal who's very critical at times uh, to uh, make sure that I don't settle. Um, for me, it's in the summertime, I look for different professional developments that I can go to. 
I don't um, believe in just sitting and getting. I want to be involved in the learning process. Uh, for me, it's you know trying to be in with my teachers when they do their collaboratives uh, so that I can learn and listen to them to see what things are pushing them or guiding them. Uh, for me, it's writing, the writing process uh, and reading and researching. All of those are things that can that forced me to continue to grow, never settling, um, digging down, doubling down on uh, being a dream chaser. Those are the things that force me to know that I can't settle, force me to know that I have to be a creature of change. I have to be a creature of growth. Um, just doing those things, just living our days as a administrator, knowing that you know, I need to listen to other people, listen to their ideas and take from them and grow. Excellent, Frederick. I, I work also with a gentleman whose wife is in education, also in a leader. Um, and I can see how that benefits him in some of their conversations and especially dealing with difficult things and how he he might even approach an issue um, differently. I, th I think you're fortunate to have that in your life. Um, yeah, at times, at times, now, and <laughs> now there are times when two principals walking in after a, a heck of a day, you're like, okay, all right, you go to that corner. I'm gonna go to this one because we can't start unloading all at the same time. Right. Agreed. My wife say, well, she just switched from first grade to fourth grade, fourth grade special ed. Uh, her heart is with special education students. And yeah, she'll she'll remind me very quick if I start stepping out in too much administrivia, she'll pull me back quick and say, people, teachers, they don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear that. Like, get it together. She so makes I, you remember your roots, right? No doubt. I got you. Makes me remember them quickly. So final question, Frederick, what's one thing that you used to think that you don't think anymore? And I think we, we hit this. Uh, I used to think that the only way that I could be a good leader is that at everything that I did, I succeeded at. Uh, that that was it. I mean, I think, in, and that's one of the misnomers that that's uh, that's forced upon us when we go through our leadership programs that, hey, you have to be this type of leader. You have to succeed in this. You need to do this. You have to, you know, accomplish this and that. And they never tell you just to embrace those times that you fail. They never really talk to you about how to fail and fail well. You know, they, they don't really talk about, you know, when you don't accomplish that goal, you know, how do you turn that into drive? How do you turn that um, into uh, creating more grit for yourself? How does that make you more of a survivor and a leader when you go through those rough times or those points where you don't succeed all the time? Um, so I used to believe that when I walked through the door, man, if I didn't hit AMO every year, if I didn't, you know, get this many teachers, if I didn't have this success rate, then I was going to, eh, it's not about that. Um, it really is about your end product and your kids though, you know, for us administrators. So, you know, not saying that I have to succeed, but my, my one thing that I do feel I do have to succeed in all time at, at all times is making sure that the kids that come to me leave better than they arrive with me. That means, you know, making sure that they feel more accomplished. They feel like they can do more. 
They feel like they can set their goals. These are things that I want to always succeed in. But the other things, hey, if I if I take a hit and I fail or I fall down, I get up, I learn, I grow, I move on. So. I'm going to have that put on a T-shirt. I'm certain of it. It's going to say, this is going to be the best failure yet. Yeah, I like that. I like that. I like that. I think it's a good note, too, for new leaders. You know, stepping in as an assistant principal or principal, any school leader here who's thinking, I got to have the answers. I got to know it all. We have to be successful. This has to be the best year. It's not going to be. Um, fail fast and fail well, like Dr. White tells us. Yeah, that's and those are the, the that's the thing we have to tell new leaders also, you know, don't think you have to have all the answers. We, you know, we make leaders fearful of asking advice or opinions of others, you know, thinking that we have to know everything and we won't. So just, you know, telling new leaders that, hey, when you get into a predicament, ask questions. Don't worry about knowing all of the answers. I mean, you're not going to be you're not going to be a failure if you don't know everything day one. So I agree with you. We're going to pump this out to every new school leader that we can find because they need it. They need your message. Um, Frederick, this has been fantastic. So much great content here for listeners. Is there anything else that you would like to add today? Jess, if you get a chance, guys, uh, you know, take a chance with the Labyrinth of Leadership. Uh, uh, I think navigating that maze of leadership, uh, you will get something out of it. You will definitely. It's on uh, Amazon right now. Uh, I think um, it. The few leaders that have already, you know, talked to me about it. One of my friends in uh, California said I, I told him to read just the first couple of chapters for me. Let me know what he thought. Uh, called me back in a couple of hours that he finished the book. So I, I was I was good. I said okay. Uh, was it that good, or you were just trying to see where the bad points were? He said it was really a really good read for him. So. I think all leaders need to take the chance and read this. Um, and if we can, myself, my, my wonderful wife, uh, all of our contacts in there, those other leaders, their information is in there. Uh, follow them on Twitter uh, and and just gather this knowledge. And once again, just every person you can listen to, to pick up new things from that you can listen to, to, to grow from, go ahead and take the opportunity to listen to them and gather something from them. Well, thank you for that. I can tell you, I read the book. I got an advanced copy. It's excellent. So there you have another endorsement. And we're going to link to the Labyrinth of Leadership book on Amazon.com in the show. You got to get that book. Uh, thank you, Frederick, for this. There you have it, everybody. Another podcast from the Schoolhouse 302. Don't forget to follow our blog, the schoolhouse302.com for blog posts, podcasts, books to read, and so much more. We really enjoyed this one thing series on how school leaders can navigate the labyrinth with our friend, Frederick White. Thank you, Frederick, for being on the show. Always a pleasure. I definitely appreciate you. And now a word from our sponsors. Hey, Joe, you know what leaders need these days? What's that, TJ? Sleep. A good night's rest, self-care. We've heard it over and over and over again from our guests on the podcast that you can't pour from an empty cup. Leaders need sleep. One of the number one ways you can replenish yourself and lead better is a good night's sleep. 
I hear you, but you know what? I'm so tired. I don't even like thinking about, you know, getting a good night's sleep, but you know, do tell, how do we go about getting better sleep? Well, I think that's part of your problem is you need a better bed. It always starts with the bed. That's why we recommend Ghost Bed, our sponsor with 30,000 plus five-star reviews. Their patented sleep and cooling technology gets you to sleep faster and longer than any other bed. That's right. And their handcrafted mattresses come with a hundred and one night at home sleep trial and a two times the industry standard warranty. They're absolutely certain that their beds will work for you. And with free shipping within 24 hours of your purchase, it's fantastic uh, support from the company. And guess what? Just for being a listener at the Schoolhouse 302, you get 30% off with the use of our code SH302 at checkout. You go to ghostbed.com. You get some sleep so that you can lead better and grow faster. You use SH302 at checkout. Absolutely. And last thing, even if you don't need a bed, you're thinking, wow, I would love to try out ghost bed, but I just bought a bed. Refer someone else for a bed at ghostbed.com. You'll get a hundred bucks for helping someone else get a good night's rest. Wow. That's 30% off with SH302 code at ghostbed.com. A hundred bucks for your referral. If you get somebody else a good night's sleep, better sleep for you, better leadership, ghostbed.com. You can't beat it. Ghostbed.com. Ghostbed.com.